Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale, but do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? Well, that's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode of The Mysterious Traveler entitled The Good Die Young. The Mysterious Traveler ran for nine years on the Mutual Broadcasting Network from 1943 to 1952 and spawned two radio spin-offs, The Sealed Book and The Strange Dr. Weird, as well as a short-lived pulp magazine and comic book. Maurice Tarplin played The Mysterious Traveler, narrating each story with a bemused menace similar to other crime and horror MCs of the day, including The Whistler and Raymond from Inner Sanctum. Unlike those narrators, The Mysterious Traveler would occasionally play a part in the story as a seemingly helpful medical doctor known only as Dr. Smith. The Mysterious Traveler was created, written, and directed by Robert Arthur Jr. and David P. Cogan. The show utilized a variety of genres, including horror, crime, and science fiction. The duo's successful career came to an untimely end in 1953 when they were accused of communist activities by the House Committee for Un-American Activities. This week's story, The Good Die Young, features a classic horror trope we haven't heard yet on the podcast. It also features one of those rare cameos by the mysterious traveler himself. So sit back and get a grip on your nerves, because it's time to hear The Good Die Young, originally broadcast February 27th, 1944. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The Mysterious Traveler. the mysterious traveler, inviting you to join him on another journey into the realm of the strange and terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves. I hope it's not making you nervous, being alone with me here in the dark. Darkness stirs strange terrors in some minds, particularly those of children. For children live in a world of their own, a world far removed from that of adults. Who among us knows the psychology of the child mind with its devious thoughts and actions? As in the tale of The Good Die Young. Years ago, when I was practicing medicine, 
I brought a child into the world. A girl who was named Sandra. In the years that followed, she grew into an extremely beautiful and clever child. But my story begins the day that Martha, the housekeeper, was finishing her duties for the last time. Sandra, come in here. I want to see you. Sandra! Were you calling me Martha? Yes. I told you to come right home after school. Where have you been? Oh, I'm sorry, Martha. I didn't hear you tell me to come home right after school. I'm sorry. Truly, I am. Save your acting for your father, young lady. It hasn't fooled me for a long time. Sandra, since your mother died, you're becoming more and more of a problem every day. Well, at least after tonight, I won't have to put up with your lies and your thousand and one little tricks. What do you mean, Martha? Your father won't be needing a housekeeper anymore. I'm leaving tonight. But why? Well, I'm not supposed to tell you. You may as well know now as later. Your father is bringing home a new mother for you tonight. A new mother? Yes. You just married again. But I don't want a new mother. Daddy and I don't need anyone else. We're happy the way we are. Sandra, stop screaming. I won't have it. Do you hear? I won't have it. Your new mother's a very fine woman. I met her last night. I hate her. I hate her. Daddy's mine and no one else's. She hasn't any right to him. If you don't stop that screaming, I'll tell your father when he comes home tonight. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. I'll be good. But I hate her and I always will. I'll never stop hating her. That's a fine way to talk. Perhaps I ought to warn the poor woman about Sandra. Well, then it's none of my business. Besides, she'll find out about her soon enough. You're carrying me across the threshold. Hi, right, darling. It's tradition in my family to carry the bride over the threshold. <laughs> there you are. Oh. Oh. oh, Stephen, what a lovely house. Mm. Oh, you haven't seen the best part of it yet. Sandra. Do you think she'll like me, Stephen? I do so want her to. Of course she will. Perhaps you should have told her about us instead of breaking it to her so unexpectedly like oh, this. Oh, nonsense, Helen. I know my daughter. She's a wonderful child. And she'll fall madly in love with you at the first sight. This is her father, did. <laughs> Sandra, where are you? Daddy. Daddy, you're home early. Oh, I'm so glad. How are you, darling? Oh, Daddy. <laughs> um, I have a surprise for you. A surprise? Mm-hmm. Sandra, this is Helen. Helen, I want you to meet my daughter, Sandra. Hello, Sandra. Hello. Darling, the uh, surprise I just mentioned is Helen. We were married this afternoon. That means that Helen is now your mother. Oh, Daddy, that's wonderful. Now I'll have a mother just like all the other girls do. Oh, I'm so glad. So am I, Sandra. And I'm sure we're all going to be very happy together. Of course we are. That night, after the family had said goodbye to Martha and seen her off, Sandra was sent to bed. She lay quietly in the darkness, thinking. Occasionally, she would speak softly to her doll, Barbara. She hasn't any right being here, Barbara. Daddy and I were perfectly happy until she came along. Tonight, he didn't even notice me. Just kept looking at her. Well, she shan't have him. 
He's always been mine, and he always will be. I've asked you not to pound the keys that way. That's no way to play. I'm sorry, Mother. It's not only the piano, dear. There are many other little things. And you pay no attention when I speak to you about them. I don't mean to do them, Mother. I just forget. Well, please try to remember, dear. Now, I want you to play the piano as you did last night for Daddy. He was very pleased. Yes, Mother. you to stop pounding the piano like that. But, Mother, I was just composing a new piece for Daddy. Well, that wasn't music, Sandra, but just noise. That'll be enough for today. Hello, beautiful. How are you, darling? Uh, well, I wasn't Sandra at the door to meet me. She's all right, isn't she? Oh, of course, dear. Uh, Stephen. Hmm? I was a bit angry with Sandra this afternoon. Angry with Sandra? Why, what'd she do? Well, several times this afternoon, I had to speak to her about pounding the piano, being loud and discordant. Huh. Well, that isn't like Sandra. You know how well she plays? Yes, of course. That wasn't the way she played today. Well... I'll go up and see her. All right. Uh, supper will be ready soon. All right, Ellen. <laughs> well, Sandra, what's this? <laughs> oh, Daddy, Daddy. What's wrong? You'll never cry. Only trying to compose a new piece for your birthday next month. A new piece for my birthday? <laughs> yes. I wanted to surprise you. Oh, there, there, dear. You mustn't cry. I'm sure Mother understands you didn't mean to be bad. Now, here, let me wipe your tears. Oh, Daddy, I love you so. I just wanted to compose something wonderful for you. I understand, darling. Oh, Daddy. You always understand. Is supper ready, dear? Mm-hmm. Where's Sandra? She'll be down in a minute. Helen. Yes, Stephen? She really didn't mean to pound on the piano and get on your nerves. Just she was trying to compose a new piece for me. Stephen, it wasn't music. It was just noise. Well, you mustn't be harsh with her. You know what children are like and their enthusiasm. They forget what they're told. But, Stephen... I don't know exactly what to say. It's just a question of being patient with her. 
winning her love. All right, Stephen. Perhaps I was a bit impatient with her. You know I want nothing more than for the three of us to be happy together. I know that, darling. And the three of us will be happy together. In the weeks that followed, Helen tried to overlook Sandra's slamming of doors, constant droppings of objects, and other nerve-wracking incidents. In time, she felt, Sandra would come to accept her love and guidance. It was just a matter of patience. Sandra, is that you? Yes, Mother. Please sit down, dear. I want to talk to you. All right, but do hurry. Daddy will be home soon. Sandra, every day I've been giving you milk money for school. Why haven't you been buying milk with that money? But I have been, Mother. Now, please, Sandra, I won't punish you. I just want to know what you've been doing with that money. I've been buying milk with it. Please, Sandra. Mrs. Gordon, your teacher, told me you haven't bought milk for almost a month now. But I have. She just doesn't Sandra, have to... I won't have you lying to me. Now, that's your father. We'll see what he has to say about this. <laughs> you don't understand. You just don't understand. Stephen? Sorry, Stephen, but Sandra's been misbehaving. Hmm? I think you'd better speak to her. You just don't understand. What's she done, Ellen? Mrs. Gordon, her teacher, told me today that for the past month, Sandra hasn't been buying milk with her milk money. Is that true, Sandra? What's worse, Stephen? When I asked Sandra about it, she lied. She said that she had been buying milk at school. Why, Sandra, it isn't like you to lie about things. I didn't mean to lie about it. I just wanted to keep it a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise? Your, your birthday present. Oh? I saved my milk money so that I could buy you a pipe. It's here in this box. Sandra, you know I'd have given you money to buy a birthday present for Daddy. It isn't the same thing. I wanted to buy him a present with my own money. Oh, I'm sorry, Sandra. Well, you might have told me about it when I asked you. And then it wouldn't have been a real surprise. I did want to surprise Daddy, so... But you have, darling. This is a beautiful pipe. No. The surprise is spoiled. Your birthday isn't till tomorrow. Well, this is much better, darling. It means I'll be able to smoke this pipe tonight. Oh, now, please stop crying. You go upstairs and wash your face and hands, huh? I'm sorry, Stephen, but I had no idea what she'd done with the money. And she did lie when I asked her about it. Well, if you'd only have a little more faith in her, Helen. I know it's difficult to understand her at times, but that's because as a child she looks at things differently. I'm sorry, Stephen, if you think I've failed with her. Oh, but you haven't, Helen. I'm sure that in time she'll come to love you as much as she loves me. I don't know, Stephen. I often wonder about that. As the weeks went by, Helen found herself coming no closer to winning Sandra's confidence. It wasn't that Sandra was unfriendly, but there was an air of reserve about her, which vanished only in her father's presence. Helen felt Stephen watching her anxiously when Sandra was about and sought to reassure him. Her one thought was to preserve their happiness. 
Helen. Hello, dear. Now, what happened to that vase, dear? Sandra broke it. Oh? Huh? Well, accidents will happen. Stephen, this is the fourth piece she's broken in two weeks. And each of them were pieces I've treasured, had for years. Why, Helen, you sound as though Sandra deliberately broken those vases because they were yours. Well, why is it that only my things are broken? Oh, Helen, surely you don't believe she's deliberately breaking your things. I don't know what to believe. The first few times I thought it was an accident, but now... But Helen... Oh, please, Stephen, let's not quarrel. Perhaps I'm wrong. I admit I haven't any proof. It's, it's just all the little things adding up. Helen, what are you talking about? Oh, you wouldn't understand even if I told you. Where's Sandra? In her room, I suppose. Well, I'll go up and see what she's doing. Huh? All right. Sandra, it's Daddy. Are you in your room? It's huh. funny. She isn't here. Hello, what's this? A note addressed to me. Dear Daddy, I'm sorry about the broken vase. Tried my best to be a good girl, but everything I do seems wrong. I make Mother very unhappy. So, I'm running away. I love you very much and always will. Your daughter, Sandra. Searching vainly for an hour in the dark and cold, Stephen returned and notified the police. All through the long hours of the night, he and Helen sat up, not saying a word, each afraid to speak, fear of what might be said. As the first rays of dawn showed, the doorbell rang. Stephen rushed to answer Mr. Hammond? Sandra. Oh, Daddy, Daddy. Darling, darling, everything's all right now. I'm the police patron from the 55th Street Station, Mr. Hamilton. One of the officers on the force just found her. Thank you. Thank you very much for bringing her home. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Hamilton. It's our job. Goodbye. Goodbye. There, 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 dear. Don't cry. Oh, Daddy, it was so dark out there. And I thought I'd never see you again. What a thing to say. How do you feel, Sandra? Do you want me to take a Stephen and put it ahead? No, I'll, I'll do it, Helen. All right, Stephen. Just as you say. Is she all right, Stephen? Uh-huh. She just fell asleep. I hope her being out all night won't have any after effects. Stephen... You feel I'm to blame for her running away, don't you? Of course not, Helen. It's just that... Well, you, you don't seem to understand her. But, Stephen, I've tried so hard. Oh, it's no use. She doesn't want me here, never has. Helen, how can you talk like that? Why, she was delighted the day I brought you here as my wife. Yes, I thought she was in the beginning. But now I know she was just pretending. Pretending? Yes, Stephen. From the first moment she saw me, she resented me. She feels I've come between you, taken her place in your affection. Oh, Helen, how can you say such a thing? It's true, I tell you. She sees me as a rival for your love. You're just imagining all this. I'm not, I tell you. Oh, it's no use, Steve. We can't go on this way. What do you mean? Don't you see? We aren't happy anymore. Instead of things improving, they get worse. Perhaps it would be best if we were to separate. Helen, Helen, I won't hear of it. 
I love you, darling. I wouldn't want to live without you. Whatever misunderstandings we may have about Sandra, I'm, I'm sure we can straighten them out. I don't know, Steve. If you love me, Helen, you won't give up so easily. Please, say you won't leave. All right, Steve. I won't leave. Perhaps we will be able to work this out. I hope so. Sandra? Sandra? You awake, darling? Yes, Daddy. Sandra, Mother and I were very upset when you ran away last night. Mother seems to think you ran away because you, you couldn't get along with her. She felt so badly about it, she wanted to go away. She did? Yes. But I told her how much we both loved and needed her. So she's promised to stay. Oh, See. Sandra, you will try to be a good girl and do as Mother wants, won't you? It would make Daddy very happy. Oh, Daddy, I'd do anything to make you happy, anything. That's a good girl, darling. Now, you get up and get dressed, huh? I'll wait for you downstairs. All right, Daddy. Just doesn't understand. He should have let her go, but she's still here. And she's going to stay. I won't have it. I won't have it. I hate her. I hate her. A week passed. A week in which Sandra's behavior pleased Helen no end. At last it seemed they were going to be the happy family she had always dreamed they would be. Helen. Yes, dear? Will you bring my coat with you when you come downstairs? Sandra and I are going for a walk. I'll get it and be right down. Daddy, can we walk down to the river? Oh, we won't have enough time for that, Sandra. Steve? Hmm? I have your coat, but I can't find your scarf. Oh, the scarf's down here, Helen. Just bring the coat. Oh, all right. Steve and I hope... Ah! Helen! Ah! Helen! Helen, are you all right? Helen, speak to me. Daddy, is... is she dead? No, Sandra, don't talk like that. Quick, phone Dr. Smith at once. suffering from shock, but otherwise unhurt. I was somewhat disturbed, however, to find her very nervous and run down. She'll be all right, won't you, Doctor? Yes, of course. I'm going to leave you a prescription, Mrs. Hamilton. It's something that will help quiet your nerves. You ought to take it twice a day. Ah, here's the prescription, Mr. Hamilton. Thank you, Doctor. I'll have it filled at once. Well, Sandra, how are you? You've been so quiet, I hardly knew you were here. I'm fine, thank you. You're, you're growing up to be quite a young lady. Are you still troubled by nightmares? Yes, she still has them once in a while. No, it's just her nerves. Uh, if she continues to have them, you might give her some of the medicine I've prescribed for your wife. Well, I must be leaving. Goodbye, Mrs. Hamilton, and... Uh, Stay in bed a few days. I will, Doctor. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye. Doctor. Well, darling, you gave us quite a scare. Yes, I... I slipped on something on the top step. Hmm. You must have slipped on a marble, dear. 
I found seven or eight of them on the top step. Uh, marble? Sandra, were they your marbles? No, Mother. They belonged to Margie. She must have left them on the stairs when we were playing here. Oh, I see. It wasn't my fault. Truly it wasn't. Of course it wasn't, Sandra. Our mother knows you wouldn't leave marbles lying around where she could slip on them. Isn't that so, Ellen? Yes, Stephen. I'm sure Sandra wouldn't want anything to happen to me. Sandra, will you come into Mother's room a moment, please? Yes, Mother. The medicine that Dr. Smith prescribed for me is in the bathroom. Will you get it for me, please? All right, Mother. You'll find it in the medicine chest. It's in a blue bottle. Yes, I know what it looks like. Oh, here it is. That's fine, Sandra. Just bring it to me. Here you are, Mother. Thank you, dear. Oh, Sandra, this isn't the medicine that Dr. Smith prescribed for me. Didn't you read the label? This bottle has poison in it. Poison? Well, yes. It's right here in red letters on the label. Oh, I'm sorry. But this bottle is blue, too. It looks just like the one with your medicine. Yes, it does at that. Now, I'll put this bottle of poison back and get me my medicine. Yes, Mother. I'll have to get rid of that poison. It's too dangerous to keep in the medicine chest. Would have been awful if you took the poison, wouldn't it, Mother? Or you might have died. Smith said if she had a nightmare, some of the medicine he prescribed for me would help her. Well, Sandra doesn't like taking medicine. But this medicine's very easy to take, and it'll have her asleep in no time. All right, you think it's best. Yes, I'm sure it is. Now, you go back to Sandra while I get the medicine and a glass. All right, Ellen. Now, Sandra, you must stop your crying. Daddy's here. Don't go away, Daddy. I want you to stay with me. Of course I'll stay with you. What were you dreaming about, dear? I, I don't know. It was all so mixed up. Oh, Daddy, will you always love me more than anybody else in the world? Of course. <laughs> now, stop your crying. All right, Stephen, I have it. Now, if you just have Sandra sit up. <laughs> Come on, darling. Sit up now. That's it. What's Mother doing? She's pouring you some medicine. It'll help you sleep, darling. Medicine? Yes. It's the same medicine Mother takes for her own nurse. No, no, I don't want it. Now, please, Sandra. It'll make you feel much better. No, don't come near me. I don't want but it. Sandra, Mother takes it twice a day. There's nothing to it. No, I won't take it. I won't. Well, perhaps you'd better let it go, honey. Nonsense, Stephen. She'll have us up all night if she doesn't take it. Oh. Now, Sandra, stop being a baby and take this medicine. No, Daddy, don't let her make me take it. Don't let her. Sandra. Are you going to let me give you this quietly, or do I have to make you take it? No, no, it'll kill me. I know it will. Let me hold your head. That's it. No. Sandra, stop clenching your teeth. Open your mouth. Do you hear? Daddy, don't let her. 
there. He's taken it. All the fuss over nothing. She's been unconscious for ten minutes now. Doctor, you must do something. I'm afraid it's too late, Mr. Hamilton. She's dead. Oh, no. No, she can't be. I'm sorry. How can she be? We only gave her the medicine you prescribed for Helen. Yes, here it is. Let me see it. But this medicine wouldn't kill her. It's only a nerve tonic. You can see... Some of it last night. I assure you, this isn't the medicine I prescribed. Then what is in that bottle? It smells like carbolic acid. Carbolic acid? But that's impossible. Look at the label. You can see it's my medicine. Yes, the label's right, but someone poured out the medicine I prescribed and replaced it with carbolic acid. <sighs> but why? Why should anyone want to do such a thing? Who could possibly want to kill Sandra? Everyone loved her. Ask Helen. She'll tell you that Sandra... Why are you looking at me like that? Surely you don't believe I poisoned her. Stephen. No. No. This is the mysterious traveler again. Have you enjoyed our little trip? Oh, by the way, do you have a child in your home? If so, I do trust it isn't angry with you. You can't be too careful with children. Why, I recall another child who, after being punished by his parents, took a razor and... Oh, you're getting off at the next stop. I'm sorry. Perhaps you'll join me again soon. I take this same train every week at the same time. You've just heard Chapter 13 of The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and unusual brought to you each week by Station WOR. In tonight's program, The Good Die Young, Betty Jane Tyler played Sandra. The Mysterious Traveler... Written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is directed by Jock McGregor. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. Listen next week to a tale titled Design for Death. Another tale of the mysterious traveler. Mysterious Travelers presented by WOR Mutual every Sunday at 7 over most of these stations. This is Mutual.
That was The Good Die Young on The Mysterious Traveler here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. All right. Uh, this was Joshua's pick. Uh, wow. Thanks for that. <laughs> There's a lot, lot to talk about in here that in a really good way, I don't like. Meaning, oh, that was... That was a hard thing to listen to because it was scary and terrible, and and I, boy, I hate that kid. <laughs> uh, show of hands, uh, who's glad the kid's dead? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you pick this one, man? Uh, well, first of all, I love the mysterious traveler as mm-hmm. a show. They don't always have like a super consistent episodes, but. I love the sound in the opening, the whistling train. I love the idea of some crazy guy trapping you in the train car. I love that train. I love that train at the beach. And I love the concept of a mysterious traveler. Uh, All of it is very cool. And and like you said, some of them are inconsistent. So then it was a matter of picking through a couple episodes. And I I have a a list of episodes I eventually want to get to, but I decided to start with evil children. (laughs) Mainly (laughs) because, as I mentioned in the opening, it's, it's like a trope that we haven't really discussed in horror and suspense we see we a did lot have of the veld i get you're right belt and we had strange judgment as far never as... mind we've had a lot of evil children <laughs> yeah we've but, punished kids uh, a lot well I, maybe as a parent i forget evil children all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just sweeping that under the rug uh but i feel like this is the most um no, directly horror-y. the veld for example the kids are it's forgivable their evilness because they're, they're being, being controlled being manipulated yeah. and this is seemingly a, innocent at first this kid's doing this for no reason she just decides <laughs> i'm not gonna like this person and well i'm gonna tell you something this kid is a class a number one professional gaslighter that is some <laughs> yeah. great gaslighting going on and one of the things i liked about this is a lot of other stories about evil children would pretty much start with the marbles on the staircase, right? Like, <laughs> right, like that's right. usually where it starts. What I liked is that this started with like real life emotional manipulation. I mean, yeah. part of why it was a little disturbing is like mm-hmm. this is a dysfunctional family you could maybe believe in. And what I also think is interesting, I think the true villain of this entire piece did not get his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. And that's the dad. He's just a useless idiot who is not tuned into anything going on around him. Because even Helen. I love the scene when she comes to him and goes, look, this isn't working out. No one's happy. I really think uh, I should just go. And it is like the most rational thing for a like heightened horror story. Mm-hmm. She just speaks the truth in that moment, right? And the dad's like, nonsense, even though this has just been swirling around him for <laughs> who knows how long. And it's at that point when he convinces her to stay and goes, tells the psycho daughter that, well, she was going to leave, but I convinced her to stay. You'll never get rid of her. He essentially right there sets up the murder. Not that the daughter isn't responsible for her own actions, but it's always a game of manipulation up into that point. I don't think until that point does Sandra actually is setting out to murder her. Would you believe your daughter or the woman you just married? This is why I'm saying I don't think that he is evil and he is responsible. I would walk in and I'd look at the she, mother and say, hey, you've got to calm down. There's also a history of, with the nanny who's leaving of, the, 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 this is not the first time that someone's tried to tell him that there's a problem with his child. This is also a man who decides it's a good idea to surprise his daughter with a new mom. <laughs> Well, okay, okay. <laughs> we we're gonna talk. I was gonna talk about that. That's uh, that is a little much. Like, 
Got married this afternoon. Here's your mom. Okay. Can I come to the ceremony? No. Because <laughs> no. even even Helen, who's not met this poor child, doesn't know that this is already a clearly crazy kid, knows that this is probably a bad idea, even if your kid is a super healthy, well-adjusted kid. Yeah. Because she even says, do you think this was the best idea? And he's like, nah. <laughs> All right. So that's a good point. My note was, hey, here's your new mom. I bought her yesterday. <laughs> that's what it sounded yeah. like. Like, I just went and got a mom now. Let's move on. Um, how do you guys feel about the device that happens a lot in old-time radio of a uh, an adult playing a kid? This is obviously an adult. You think that was an adult? Yeah, doing I'm, a kid voice. Well, now we're going to have to look it up. Yeah, we're going to have to look it up. I thought what for sure think, that was going to be in your notes, and I didn't want to have no? to do anything. That sounded older. I guess I assumed it was an, an eight-year-old. I assumed it was like maybe a teenager or something playing. pitching it down a little, and it didn't bother me. Did it bother you? Well, it's an interesting thing because it happens a lot in old-time radio mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it's an adult that can do a kid voice. Uh, frequently, uh, boys are played by adult women. Yep. You know, that happens a lot. Uh, the Temple of Vampires and I Love a Mystery, there's a 10-year-old, 9-year-old boy in the whole adventure that's played by obviously a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking like a little boy. For me, it takes some getting used to. So but do you once think this I get... is a fully grown woman yeah. doing it? Okay. Sounds like it to me. I'm starting to get good at being able to discern, oh, that's an adult talking like a kid. But it's it bothers me for a while, but then I get used to it. You're going to feel dumb if we find out this actress is four. Well, I will. <laughs> and she's actually playing up. <laughs> However, she does use the word shant. <laughs> I honestly think if you're making the choice as a producer on this show, I think it's smarter to go older because you need to sell this character. Like sometimes it's really effective. Well, that's why they did it because kids are a risk to be able to act as well as you need them to act and perform as well. Plus they're terrible to work with because they're always napping and (laughs) need a peanut butter sandwich. The intensity of her dysfunction is so important to sell in this one that you have to. Whereas like we talked about the Velt. Those were little kid actors and they sounded like they were reading off the page, but because of the whole setting, it made it creepy and they didn't have a lot of dialogue, for example. But I think, with, yeah, with this much dialogue and, and so much conviction right. so what, needed, so yeah. They have to do it. It's very rare that you can find the kid that can pull that off. I mean, now that you've said it, I, I could use a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Working with kids and Tim, Tim ladies and right. <laughs> Don't ever work with kids or Tim. You know, it's, it's that same thing, though. If you embrace the idea that kids are a certain way you get a whole other style which is the all the the, the peanuts cartoons have that oh yeah <laughs> I mean, those are kids just being kids but that's but they're saying you, such adult existential things right so it's hilarious right and it, the reads are very reedy but now they become part of our lore even how we repeat those lines we repeat them in this stammery characters. way yeah in that stammery way my point being is that's what happens when most of the time when you try mm. to get a kid to play a kid it's challenging to it's challenging at first to believe the character if if what you hear is an adult pretending to be a kid instead of you hear a kid. Yes, but I get used to it, and that's what happened here because yeah. I started. The writing is great on this, and like I said, wow, that is some good gaslighting. When the dad comes home and she just starts crying, like yeah. immediately, if you were there, you'd be like, oh no 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 no, she was not crying five seconds yeah. ago. Yeah. No, no, she is faking, Like, but the mother doesn't. She just goes, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. So I love how manipulative that girl is in a sense of uh, it fills me with dread. Yeah, well, and it makes you sympathize with uh, the, the mom, mom so yeah. much of what can you do to 
uh, escape this child's tyranny. Yeah. And there's such mundane things, too, which I like, that it's like, I'm going to play the piano loud. I'm lying about my lunch money. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not super evil things. I love that it doesn't start with the marbles on the stairs trying to kill her. No, it's just you know? driving her slowly yeah. crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I, based on this, my kids are clearly trying to kill me because <laughs> they're such small things. Like right. <laughs> I'm glad that every time a kid lies about their lunch money, it doesn't mean they're planning to murder you. <laughs> that would be terrifying. But that, but again, I love that point of escalation when Helen's about to do the rational thing and say, this isn't working. I did not expect that because usually in these kind of suspense stories, you're always screaming to someone in the story to go like, don't do it. Get out. And for once, they actually said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I am going to get out before it gets bad. And then she got sucked back in. So I, I love that scene. The ending scene with the oh. actual poisoning. Yes. Is... That is hard stuff. Yeah. And we know that the girl has switched it out. We know as soon as she says, I'll go get the medicine, I go, here we go. Because it's all set up. It does bring up this question, though. Why is it? So often, pre-1955, that there's so much poison in the houses. Well, why I looked that so up, Eric. Right? Did you I really? I was interested in oh, why good. someone would have carbolic acid in their house, but apparently it was a common thing in the medicine cabinet. It could be used um, when diluted as a, an antiseptic. It was also, well, carbolic soap was really popular through like 1970s. Um, it kills parasites, apparently, diluted and taken, like ringworm. Like daughters. Yeah, and daughters. <laughs> yes, and parasitic stepdaughters. But it happens all the time. Yeah, no, you're right. And then it's got the big skull and crossbones, and they have it in their house, which is a big bottle of poison. And then she says, we should probably get that out of the medicine cabinet. <laughs> Remember all the Mr. Yuck Oh, Mr. Yuck is green. Like, like, there was a point in time when we were young where people suddenly realized, hey, we should probably stop having poisons all Let's- over. Put an adorable cartoon character on this so people know. <laughs> Mr. Yuck is green. Yeah. That terrified me, by the way. I, I, if I saw that sticker, I would run into the other room. Like the poison would chase me out of the room. We're way off topic, but do you remember the PSA about don't play with plastic bags? Yes. Oh. And they, they showed us su- that today. They show a suffocated dead kid, and then it says, Don't play with plastic bags, kid. That was on the air a lot. Saturday or else morning. you'll die. Or else you'll die. I'll never forget. You remember that one, Tim? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, considering this episode is, again, 70-plus years old, um, the idea that they would go through with it and just let this girl die in such I was a visceral way, that. screaming for yeah. help. My throat's burning. Daddy, daddy, daddy. It's like, it's hard. Yeah, Even though you of, hate her, it's hard to listen yeah, to. Yeah, like, oh, they're going to give her the poison. Good, this kid is going to die. The revenge, yes. And then you listen to an eight-year-old struggle for her life. And, and then you're <laughs> sort of ashamed for, yes. for wishing sure. this. And there's also nice because the the doctor, the mysterious traveler who comes into the story, he says, oh, she's still having nightmares. And so there's that one moment of like a a history of some mental problems with this child. And that's the first moment where I felt a little empathy. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is maybe a kid who has been really stressed and maybe her jerk of a dad is not cute into any of it (laughs) over the years. Uh, And her mother has, uh, you know, died at some point. I assume, did they say she died or do we just assume she died? Uh, There's no reference. Just getting a new mom. Not that I remember. And then the very last moment when it's clear that the husband is going to blame Helen. Yes. I wasn't expecting that. I thought for sure they were going to figure out that, oh my God, my daughter switched it. When he looked at her and said, oh, you did this. No, which I think makes for a great suspenseful horror story to have that terrible ending. Yeah. I'm not a big fan in horror stories of it all working out. I mean, if that's what we're going in for and we want to be shocked and horrified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, listening to an eight-year-old die is hard, and there's a lot in here that's pretty edgy. And it's weird that the mysterious traveler delivered her, because he has the opening line of, like, years ago, there was a young girl I brought into this world. Or maybe he was the illegitimate father. Maybe I interpreted I mean, that wrong. Maybe he's the mom. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I didn't catch, by the way, that that was the mysterious traveler as the doctor. I yep. didn't either. Yeah. Here's a line that made me think, perhaps, that I didn't like the mom so much. That's not music. That's just noise. Well, thanks for the review, Mom. (laughs) Who talks to their kid? Like, well, that's not music. It's noise. Oh, okay. If my kid did that and I went, what are you doing? Aren't you practicing? Oh, it's a song I'm writing for Mom. I'd say, oh, nice. You know, like we hang their terrible pictures on the fridge. You don't say, oh, my God, that's terrible. What's wrong with some music? That's noise. So she wasn't trying too hard. Yeah, this is also from the 40s, and I I think there was that time and place where it was thought that little girls shouldn't make loud noises or be boisterous. Yeah, here's another uh, great moment when the doctor says, you know, how's the nightmares, which I love, by the way, it is a, okay, we're getting a little background Mm -hmm. quickly on this girl. And it's a great writing moment that you don't need to do a lot to give us a lot. Yeah. But the doctor then says... Well, if she has them, you know, just give her some of the medication that I gave your wife. Because, you know, share the medications in your house. <laughs> just It'll make a great story later on the train. <laughs> just try it. Trust me. By today's standards, the idea of, you know, we're so, do not take anybody else's medication. Yeah, yeah. And the doctor's saying it. Yeah, just take some of that. Which, is, by the way, was nerve tonic, which was what? Booze. Yeah, probably yeah, booze with a little cocaine or something. Right. <laughs> Harmless. So any other notes uh, or anything you wanted to bring up? I thought it was a really clever piece of writing after the doctor mentions the nightmares that they have Sandra wake up from a nightmare. So right before they kill her, yeah. after she's been so horrible, they give you this little moment of seeing her as a child. It's really cruel, actually, because she wakes up and says, Daddy, I had a nightmare. Tell me you'll always love me. You'll always be there for me. She, it has this one soft moment. And Maybe she's manipulative, but it's still a little girl clinging to her daddy from a nightmare saying, I'm scared. Tell me you'll always be here. And then they pry her mouth open and pour poison down her throat. <laughs> it's, it's, just a, it's a horrific scene. I don't think you could get my mouth open if you didn't. That would be a really hard thing to do. How long did it take you to teach your kid to swallow a pill? Did you go through this with both your kids? Did my, they just do um, it? Yeah, there must oh be my addicts God, in it the was making. Yeah. Three hours with my kid. Oh, yeah. Ah, and the pill not going down. Oh, my God. I could not pry her mouth open and get that in there. You know, like, yeah. so I find that weird. Like, how, if well, you, you for can't... cats, you get those little things that they shoot them down. <laughs> <laughs> for cats. <laughs> and by the way, the, uh, never mind. Yeah, okay. I, I don't feel obliged to offer tips on how to force a child's mouth open. That seems like a bad path to walk down. No, no, you can't do it, is what I'm getting at. If someone doesn't want to open their mouth, I'm just saying, it, it, my kids screaming that hard i wouldn't force her mouth open and make her take it (laughs) i'd be like okay okay you know what what would you like some more milk yeah but there is none of that just it's so distressing in the moment i think it sort of keeps some of that analytical thought at bay it didn't take me out you know maybe they used a straw didn't take me out no but yeah (laughs) i just thought it's such a squirming moment like please anything other than what's happening right now right right 
Tim, what's your uh, judgment I on this? Say this is a timeless classic. It works wow. Well. Nice. We got a timeless classic. Out Bam. Of yeah. Bam. How about you? I think it's a very distressing, disturbing timeless classic. <laughs> timeless classic I would listen to minimally in the future, but I think it's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a pretty impressive piece of, of writing, and it's all in the small details. I will give you that I think that it's written well, and I love everything about it. It's, it's horrifying, and I will say, yeah, I think it's probably a timeless classic from a horror standpoint. I will tell you I will never listen to it again. This ranks up there with Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that was great. Do you want to see it again? No. <laughs> God, no. That was a lot. Excruciating. That was a lot of my soul left on that movie theater floor. Yeah. Uh, so I never want to hear that again. But if you're looking to be horrified, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> if you want to hear an eight-year-old die. <laughs> Legally. <laughs> Legally. <laughs> Pretendy. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this time. If you want to learn more about us, you can go to ghoulishdelights.com. There you'll find what, Tim? You'll find information uh, about our live. I'm going to do this in the reverse order. I usually do. You'll find information about our live performances. We go out in the world and perform live versions of radio shows, including some of the ones we listen to on the podcast. At ghoulishdelights.com, you can also find old episodes of this podcast and catch up. We'll be at the James Hill Center in St. Paul through May of 2017, in case this is like 2042 when you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) please come see us do recreations of this. While you're here on the internet, help us out. Why don't you go to iTunes and write a review? We love to hear what you're thinking about the podcast. It's good to hear that people are listening and enjoying it. If you have any suggestions, you can even email us or you can put it in your review. We just want to hear from you. Thank you. All right. And next time, we're going to be doing uh, one of my choices and I'm really excited because we're going to do an episode of CBS Radio Mystery Theater and uh, an episode called Hickory Dickory Doom. (laughs) Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Look out!